Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Ah, bonjour. Bonjour. I'm excited for our time today. Transcending Time and Space by Joining Together by Means of This Technology. So wonderful. I'm still in California, and uh, next week I'll be in Vermont. Yes, I'm a traveler. (laughs) And I am grateful to say a blessing for us here as we begin. So grateful and so thankful to open our hearts to the highest possibility of love. We are grateful and thankful to join together, to open our hearts, to open our minds to the power and the presence of love shining in our awareness. We are grateful and thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self to remember and recognize the fullness of love is what we are and what we always will be. We are grateful. Grateful to take this breath together together and dedicate this time to perfect love, perfect peace, recognizing our true identity and seeing that in our brothers and sisters. We are truly grateful and thankful to open to the healing, to let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Ah, yes, we are blessed. So, uh, boy, I was so invigorated last week in, in the topic of healers, and uh, very inspired. I got a clear directive to do another episode in support of healers and talking about something I know a lot about. And so our topic this week is when healers play small. Now, uh, I believe I said last week that uh, I do consider myself a healer, but the only one I can heal is me. And the Course of Miracles is a self-study, self-healing course. And actually, it's the higher self. It is that mighty I am presence, Holy Spirit self. And uh, that is the healer. Love is the healer. Love is what we are. Love is our true identity. So when we choose to extend love, express love, share love then that's when the healing is on, it's happening. And, yeah, it's such a great realization because many people long for healing. This morning I was contemplating people asking Jesus for healing and then holding on to unloving thoughts. And when we hold on to unloving thoughts, which I certainly uh, have been an expert at, uh, definitely could teach uh, PhD-level courses in holding on to resentment and regret and hurt and blame and shame and blocking the flow of love and playing small. Um, When we're praying... And praying and praying for healing and we're saying, well, why doesn't God help me? Why doesn't Jesus help me? And we're blocking the flow of all that assistance when we're holding on to anger, resentment, regret, all the things that unforgiveness brings. Yes, indeed. I... I'm such a proponent of forgiveness because I know how powerful and how healing it is. And uh, it's, it's just hard to conceive how healing forgiveness can be, true forgiveness. And it's so important and helpful and valuable to be willing 
to turn our attention to what true forgiveness is. And I, I know I talk about it frequently. I don't feel like I've talked about it in this radio broadcast recently. But true forgiveness is when we let go of the meaning we made of things. We let go of our interpretation. And we're willing to see no meaning or interpretation in the things that have occurred. And we're willing to recognize that all resentment, regret, all the unforgiveness comes from holding on to our judgments and our opinions about what occurred, whether we're blaming ourselves or someone else. That's uh, where the pain and the suffering and the debilitating effects come from. It's holding on to that meaning and that interpretation and being unwilling to allow it to resolve and dissolve. We're the ones that keep it alive. And uh, as far as I can tell, our belief system, which our beliefs are false, truth is true, beliefs are false, our beliefs all come from unforgiveness, meaning we made interpretations of the past, whether it was this lifetime or any other. So this is where we can forgive now. And we can forgive for the past. We can let the past go now. We can let lifetimes of resentment and regret and hurt and pain and shame go now. That is the amazing, cool thing. And indeed, this is our function. This is our purpose and our directive. And this is what we have so, so much support for. But I do find that even those who appear to be very dedicated spiritual students do not do this forgiveness work. They delay and delay and delay. And I I know that's why I was called to create my Finding Freedom from Fear boot camp and also my year-long Masterful Living course and even my Sacred Circle. So... um, Right now, um, Finding Freedom is not open for registration. Uh, Masterful Living uh, will be open. I anticipate that we'll have another go-round next year. I love it so much. Um, So, But you could jump into My Sacred Circle, which is my weekly spiritual counseling program. And uh, it's it's also a part of the Finding Freedom from Fear program. I give it as a bonus gift with that. But you can jump in right now to my sacred circle. It's my weekly spiritual counseling call. And I, in a group format, take any question people have. And OMG, it is a great, great program. And you can check it out. I offer the uh, to the radio show listeners, the first month free. You, when you sign up, you use the code Sacred Gift, all one word, Sacred Gift, and that gets you uh, first month free of my Sacred Circle. But the thing here with healers who are playing small is that they're not doing that forgiveness work, without a doubt. There's no question. They are holding on to regrets and resentment and guilt and blame and shame. And I find that also those who are in healing professions, so just because we can only heal ourselves, we can't heal anyone else, we can still be in a healing supportive profession. I'm a minister, so I certainly am in a healing profession. And as a spiritual counselor, I'm in a healing profession. As a teacher, I'm in a healing profession. I know many uh, spiritual students in class with me, doctors, nurses, uh, all kinds of healing professions teachers and counselors and therapists and so when we are feeling that we are playing small it's I have found it's always because we're not doing the forgiveness work 
which is rigorous. It really is rigorous. That's why I'm so dedicated to teaching about it because uh, most people don't understand it and they avoid it uh, and because they don't want to look at the past. They don't want to look at what occurred. Well, it's a, a little bit, this is the, the, what I'm getting right now for, to share. It's a little bit like you have an infection or something, a wound that's developing into an infection. And because you don't want to look at it or think about it or deal with it, it just gets worse. It just gets worse. We've all done that. We've all done that with something, right? With many things. I know, <laughs> good Lord, I've done it with so many things. Uh, conversations I don't want to have, things I don't want to deal with. So I, I don't. And uh, it just festers and ferments and turns into a bigger problem. So, by the grace of God, I have learned to um, try to, to deal with things directly, quickly, before they fester and ferment and turn into a much bigger deal. So, uh, in, in my programs, we really give so much support that people are inspired uh, by others and by the possibilities of miraculous healings and transformations in their body, in their relationships, in their mental and emotional states to really dig in and do the inner work. And it is much easier when we go as a group than if we go on our own. If we go on our own, sometimes... You know, there's just so much fear that it's easy to say, well, I'll do this tomorrow, or oh, I'll, I'll do this. Uh, it's not a good time. I've got a lot going on at work. And never thinking that if we do our inner forgiveness work, that actually our work in the world will get easier. We, we don't think that, uh, oh, this is not a good, we will think, instead we'll think, oh, this is not a good time. I have so much going on in my family, it's not a good time. Well, it actually can bring much ease and grace in the family. It's uh, so shocking and surprising how many benefits doing this inner work brings. And here's why. It is done unto us as we believe. It is. Life is done unto us as we believe. We're the movie projector and the thoughts we hold in our mind and in our heart, the beliefs and the thoughts that they combine into a power. Course in Miracles says into a, they combine into a power that can literally move mountains. But they can also combine into a power that creates a mountain, a mountain of obstacles, a mountain of pain and suffering, a mountain of uh, just slowing down the pace of our growth, a mountain of self-sabotage. So our thoughts and beliefs can combine into a power that can literally move a mountain of suffering but it can also create a mountain of suffering so when we're avoiding that's a sure sign that we're identified with a small selfish self that does not have the power to move mountains so in a sense it's you could say it's not that we have the power it's that we access the power. We tune into it. We channel the power of love into our experience. And then we're no longer playing small. So what I see is so many people who aspire to healing spiritual professions but feel unqualified and so they don't move forward. I see so many people who aspire, would really love 
to uh, step up and step out into some kind of a healing profession as a teacher, a spiritual teacher, spiritual leader, spiritual counselor, um, all these different beautiful, beautiful professions. And they don't because they uh, simply do not feel confident And the reason they don't feel confident is because they don't feel qualified. And they don't feel qualified because they're still playing small by holding on to resentments and regrets and judgments and attack thoughts. And they're not yet inspired to be rigorous with their spiritual work. It seems too hard. And you know what? This is the thing that just for years and years and years was, um, it's funny, the, the, I'll, I'll give it the label of a bugaboo. That's what I'm getting. So um, that it really was, uh, I don't know where bugaboo comes from. Maybe somebody will tell me. But it feels like bugaboo is some kind of a trap or um, mess that's easy to get caught up in. So, uh, and I certainly did because I had this false belief that in order for me to really, truly be a dedicated student, I had to spend a lot of time in prayer and meditation and studying books hours and hours a day and uh, that I couldn't do that. And so, therefore, um, I, I, I was not going to be able to be successful. So I was playing small in that way. And then I shifted things in my life, and I had a period of unemployment. And I decided to really steep myself in my spiritual practice and focus on that. And so I was doing that um, six hours a day, my spiritual practice. And I got very, very rigorous with it. And it was tremendous because I really, what I was doing was I was doing the forgiveness work. That's what I was doing. And so much healing occurred. It it totally changed my life. And then uh, through that experience, I really came to understand that... It's it's not that you need six hours a day or two hours a day or an hour a day. It's really about being mindful throughout the day. And for me, that did feel rigorous. And people say, oh, I can't do that. It's too much. It's too much. I can't. And I used to think all the time, I can't be that good. I can't be that good. I'm not that good a person. Such judgment of myself. And I was really convinced of that. That was my belief about myself. I can't be that good. Therefore, I cannot be what I aspire to be because I can't be that good. And I am so glad that I was willing to drill down into that And see what was really going on. What was that about? I can't be that good. And so underneath that I realized. Oh okay. You know what? I do have a belief. That I am fundamentally bad. Fundamentally. Inextricably unfixably, fundamentally bad. Can't do anything about it. Just bad, bad to the bone. So um, looking at that and really, really feeling that the teachings that God is good and God is in all are true, that God is love, and love is good, and love is all, that these teachings are true, I had to start to look at this idea that I'm bad, 
Something's wrong with me. I'm not good. Fundamentally evil. All these thoughts that I had. I had to be really, or I was really willing finally to say, maybe they're not true. Maybe what's true is that we're all fundamentally good. All of us. Without exception. And that felt true to me. And I decided to put all my eggs in that basket. That we're all fundamentally good. And I'll be honest with you. I know I wouldn't have gotten there without my counseling clients. Because I had such a commitment to see everyone that came to me for counseling as perfect, whole, complete, beautiful. And I did. And I, these folks who are coming to me, uh, still, the folks that I'm doing counseling with now, uh, I see them and they are so perfect and so beautiful. And all the appearances to the contrary that they're grappling with and struggling with and challenged by, I can really see that those are the appearances and not who they are. And that every single person has this fundamental goodness about them. And it can be tapped into, it can be accessed, and it is a powerful force. So we play small when we're judging others. And when we are judging others, it's just a sign that we judge ourselves. And that we don't think we're good enough. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those situations where um, I'm rubber and you're glue. <laughs> and what you say to me bounces off of me and sticks to you. And so it's, it, the only thing is, is I'm glue. <laughs> I'm glue. Uh, and the, the most difficult thing I have ever done in my whole life was to focus on giving up the habit of attack thoughts and judgment thoughts against myself and others. The hardest thing I've ever done is to be willing to stick to the truth. Uh, Course in Miracles calls this uh, the second characteristic of God's teachers, consistency, being willing to be consistently loving. It calls it honesty, actually. Honesty is consistency. And I have learned that that consistency is um, a great skill to have. And for most people, it's quite challenging to acquire. But we can acquire it. We really can. And it's our natural state to love and be loved. And this is our divine opportunity to shift everything. So I see many teachers and counselors and healers and folks like that who are playing small and they don't even recognize or realize what the causes are. I'm going to get uh, a bit more into this uh, as we go deeper into this program and uh, I am going to make a couple of announcements here before I go to the break. Uh, in case you don't know, I have three events, in-person events, coming up in the fall. And uh, one is uh, a healing retreat uh, for those who are recovering from sexual abuse. And it's a small group and so we have a limited number of slots. I believe we have five left. So you can go to jenniferhadley.com to the events page. Uh, or you can go to jenniferhadley.com forward slash recovery. Uh, also, uh, that's in September. And then uh, it's an in-person, very nurturing healing retreat. 
I've uh, I've learned a lot working with people who have been uh, sexually abused and molested um, sometimes for years uh, as a children, adults, all all different kinds of situations. So um, let's do some healing and some forgiveness and um, really let that go. And then for those who are interested in, in uh, developing their communication skills, their intuition skills, my spiritual counseling training intensive. It is part of a larger program, but people can do just the intensive training. So it's about a week-long training, and uh, that's in October. And it's open to anyone. So business professionals, all kinds of people are interested in that. And then there's my teacher training, and I'll tell you more about that a bit later. Ah. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you are listening to A Course of Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. (laughs) Yes, talking about healing the healers when healers are playing small. Something I know so very, very much about. And, And that's what inspires me because... We can change that. We can shift everything through the practices of A Course in Miracles. They really, truly work. And that is miraculous and amazing to me. I searched for so long for a way, a method that would really work. And I started to actually do the practices of A Course in Miracles before I found A Course in Miracles. And so when I found the course, I was ecstatic, really, once I realized how I could use these lessons, these teachings, when actually applied and lived to change and transform my life. And I am so, so grateful for that. Very, very grateful. Now, uh, just reading A Course in Miracles, that isn't doing the lessons. I know this. So doing the lessons is the day-to-day, moment-by-moment practice of them, and that is deeply healing and transformative. So healers are playing small when their spiritual practice is intellectual and it's not brought into the heart. So... I know for myself, for a very long time, the ego was driving my spiritual practice. It absolutely was. And I didn't know it. I really didn't know it. I just knew that I felt like I was up against some kind of a wall that was an impediment, an invisible impediment, and I couldn't figure out how to get around it. And I felt like, oh, I am the problem. Now I know, no, it wasn't that I was the problem. It was my thinking that was the problem. So before the break, I was talking about the characteristics of the teachers of God from the manual for teachers. And the second one is honesty. And the first one, of course, is trust. And in the honesty section, which is just a couple paragraphs, it says... So this is following trust. It says, all other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. Once that has been achieved, the others cannot fail to follow. And this I can testify to. The more I trust, place my trust and my faith in spirit rather than in my opinions and judgments, everything that I desire 
is being added unto me. So what I truly desire is to be free of ego thoughts and patterns and to live the very highest possibility for my life and to be truly helpful, be a beneficial presence in this world, to awaken from the dream of separation and to know and remember my true identity and support others who wish to do the exact same thing. So this is my goal. Uh, and it, so it says, all other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. Once this has been achieved, the others cannot fail to follow. And I really feel that that's so much in alignment with seek first the kingdom which is within, and all will be added unto you. So it says here, only the trusting can afford honesty, for only they can see its value. Honesty does not apply only to what you say. The term actually means consistency. There is nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. No act belies your word. And no word lacks agreement with another. Such are the truly honest. At no level are they in conflict with themselves. Therefore, it is impossible for them to be in conflict with anyone or anything. And this is the thing that I can really feel is breaking out all over my heart, my mind, and my life. Is that... I'm not in conflict with myself like I used to be in constant conflict with myself. Remember, uh, Katie Lang had that song, Constant Craving, such a gorgeous song, Constant Conflict. (laughs) That that was the story of my life. Oh my gosh, if I were going to be in a rock band, it would be called Constant Conflict. Because the conflict was within, of course, I saw it everywhere on the screen of my life and all of my relationships and activities. The conflict comes, of course, Miracles tells us that conflict comes from when we are uh, saying we want something, but we're doing something in contradiction to it. So we say we want the peace of God, but that's not what we're choosing. We're choosing judgment. We're choosing condemnation. We're choosing agitation. We're choosing uh, all the the. We're choosing to take offense, right? We're choosing to um, attack people with our little guilt. Uh, uh, daggers you know the little um well i i would have been okay if you had just done what you said you were going to do but then when you didn't it became uh not my fault that everything fell to pieces uh it's your fault but you know i'm doing the best i can here given that you're unreliable you know we have these conversations with people even if it's only in our mind you see And this is the thing that I have found. This is what uh, Course Miracles is talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the unhealed healer. Right? And uh, we've all grown up with uh, a world where people say one thing and do another. People say they love you, but they clearly don't know what love is. You know, I'm just doing this because I love you. Um, I don't think so. No. No. I don't feel that love. I think you're, you're, you're doing it because this is what you want. And this is what you feel you need. And, of course, we are now living in an awareness of this tremendous betrayal by, um, religious uh, organizations. Uh, I'm not going to go into it in depth, but I just see many, many people who are really disturbed, understandably, by 
the continuing news uh, about the Catholic Church and the sexual abuse and molestation of um, children, children. And that, uh, you know, it's quite a, quite an intense dichotomy that you would have uh, an organization that supposedly is to defend and protect children, to support the poor, to follow the teachings of Jesus and the people who have supposedly taken vows to commit their life to that would then uh, abuse children. But of course they themselves are in some way um, really challenged. And um, I I can have compassion for all beings. I really can. I've I've developed that capacity. And because I want to have compassion for myself. I'd like to have compassion for myself no matter what. And this is how I'm choosing to live my life without judgment. doesn't mean that I don't have judgment. What it means is that I am not willing to invest in the judgment. So the judgment comes into my awareness. I feel the agitation that it brings and the disturbance of my peace. And then I can choose again. I can choose to go to love, to compassion, to kindness, to gentleness. And so uh, this is the thing that I'm learning. We can see in our lifetimes that many, many different progressives, progressions of healing, mentally, emotionally, and physically, that things are speeding up. And so we had the uh, me generation uh, back in the 70s. People started to become more introspective uh, on the heels of the women's movement and the peace movement, uh, the civil rights movement. We had the me generation. And then that turned into a very um, kind of a decadent um, focus on money and fame and drugs and beauty and power, all the surface things. You know, the pendulum swings back and forth. And so that was happening in the 80s. And now here we are where we've got the Me Too movement. And we're starting to see that we can care for each other and ourselves on another level. And in order for us to move on from the intensity of this Uh, experience in the Catholic Church and other kinds of betrayals so the the ego would um, perceive them in order to move on. Forgiveness is required. And uh, it's so perfectly timed out that the unhealed healers would now be required to do their own inner forgiveness work and to stop playing small so that they can lead the way and be an example and a demonstration for others. This is our golden opportunity. This is what we've prayed for, is this opportunity to look within and to be so kind and so gentle and so compassionate. You know, the words fearless and rigorous also come up. But can we do this inner healing work? Can the healers who have been playing small and instead of figuring out how to be the light of the world and express the light of the world, because we already are the light of the world, but to express it, to get out from under the, the bushel, basket you know to get out from under the the blocks to love that we have grabbed onto and to be willing to feel confident and qualified to shine the light of the world uh, Jesus tells us that all are called but few choose to answer 
And I know when I was studying to be a minister at the Agape International Spiritual Center, uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith would say to us, um, all are called and few choose to answer. And he would say, God qualifies the called. God will qualify us. And that is what I learned. So I went to ministerial school in order to get qualified. It didn't quite work for me, but it laid the foundation for me to stop playing small and to really move into a dedicated commitment to trust faith, honesty, these characteristics of the teachers of God. And that's when I discovered A Course in Miracles. So everything was perfectly timed for me as it is for each and every one of us. And all of the healing and the awakening, the joy, the prosperity, the wholeness, the freedom, everything we desire is ours when we are willing to give up everything that's blocking it. And we won't know what's blocking that healing, that prosperity, that we won't know what's causing us to play small until we're willing to give it up. At least that has been my experience. So that's an odd, frustrating kind of a, maybe it's a dichotomy that exists for us. That the blocks to love, we won't be able to see precisely what they are until we're willing to give them up. So it's about activating our free will and freely choosing to love wholeheartedly and no longer just pay lip service to our spiritual practice and our spiritual life. One of the things that I have learned in counseling people for nearly 20 years now, and particularly counseling the healers, the leaders, the teachers, the ministers, the prayer practitioners, the counselors, and the therapists, um, those that serve and counsel others, counseling those folks, what I have learned consistently is we're so much alike. And so... Uh, we oftentimes we went down this road because we felt wounded and desperate. I certainly did. And I also craved to be special, specially good, because I felt so specially bad that I thought if the world thought I was especially good, it would balance out what I knew to be true or thought I knew to be true which was that I was especially fundamentally bad and then I can now see oh that's how everybody is it was not unique to me at all that it's very very common and people I mean hmm We want to enjoy the things of this world. And the things of this world are nowhere near as enjoyable as the things not of this world. It's a crazy situation. And as long as we're intent on making the things of this world the gods of this world we're always searching and not finding. The thing is truly to be in the world but not of it and to recognize we're not of this world. We're of another reality. And that this is our training ground. This is like a video game that we're playing. And instead of playing it to beat out other people, 
and to uh, fight our way through the crowd uh, to survive and to uh, have the most points. Instead, if we can see, no, the way to be successful in this world is to realize that this world is an illusion and to give up all attachment to it and to give up attachment to the things in this world, including our relationships, including our body. That's crazy. That's so crazy. So crazy to the ego. But it doesn't mean we have to give up caring. And it doesn't mean we have to give up making it important. Like for me, one of the things right now is I've been getting for months this idea to spend the summer doing a a cleanse and a bit of a retreat. So I, I love to go to Vermont in the summer and to be with my teacher and to do teachings with my teacher, the Native American teachings. I go to the uh, uh, Sunray Peace Village. You can go to sunray.org and learn about that and learn about my teacher there. Uh, her name is Venerable Dahani Oahu. She's a Cherokee chief and she's also a Buddhist teacher and I love to go and be there. I also know this summer I feel called to um, probably going to be vegan, uh, eating vegan all summer and just doing a cleanse uh, internally and externally and uh, maybe a little bit of strawberry shortcake, (laughs) a little bit of some of the, the delicious things there, but mostly... And not because I need to or because I'm ill or anything like that. But it's it's a wonderful practice to give up attachments. Um, if you know me, you know how much I love coffee. I just love it. And I love coffee with cream in it. I really do. love my espresso with cream, my Americano. But I think I'm going to give it up for the summer not for any other reason that my intuition is saying, just give it up for a while. Don't have to give it up forever. And so it's, it's, it's about giving up the attachment to it. All the attachments to the things of this world. I see that's why uh, for the last um, three years now, I've not had a home. I looked to buy a home in New Jersey, did not find one uh, that I I bid on a few, but I didn't get any of them, and I really got, okay, I'm really giving up attachments big time here. I've been traveling for most of the last five years, uh, except for the year that I was in Kauai. For 10 months, I had the same home in Kauai. So, and a lot of you listening to the radio show, you've come on this journey with me of giving up attachments. We don't have to give up our relationships. We don't have to give up our home. We don't have to give up coffee. We don't have to give up the things we enjoy, but we do have to give up the attachments to them in order to stop playing small. It's like um, right now in the political news for the last couple of years, it's been about this idea of um, colluding with the Russians. And I'm not going to get into a political thing, but one of the things that people seem to miss and don't understand, although it's right there in plain sight and it's being talked about all the time, that when people take money, goods, favors, whatever, from a foreign government, then they're compromised. And then they can be manipulated and blackmailed. uh, Because, and this is the thing that is so dangerous for politicians and government workers, is that they can then become spies and turned and all that and um, that's the big 
worry is that people then will be manipulated to betray their country because they've done something illegal, taking favors or whatever from a foreign government. So those, it's when we have attachments, it's funny, I I don't know, this is what Spirit led me to say about that political thing. (laughs) Um, When we have attachments, we can be compromised. When we have uh, an addiction to or an attachment to, I need that glass of wine at the end of the day. I need that cigarette. I need that sugar. I need that person. I need my dog. I need this. I need that. These are all attachments. So we don't have to give up the dog, the person, the wine, the sugar. We don't have to, but we the attachment, the needing, the wanting, the craving. Because then these become the gods of this world. And it's just one of the many ways that we end up playing small. There are many more. I do try and talk about them as I discover them. And I've learned so much by just my willingness to give up attachments. I feel so committed to supporting those who would like to stop playing small, who would like to feel confident and qualified. Uh, One of the programs that I'm offering in the fall is the teacher training. There are so many wonderful teachers who don't feel confident and qualified. So how to lead a workshop, how to lead and create a workshop. And uh, I'm certifying people to teach my forgiveness workshop so valuable and I'm so inspired by the people who took this training with me last year and are now teaching forgiveness if you have any interest in doing this I hope that you will connect with me that's my October how to lead and create a workshop Uh, so about a week long seminar five days and uh, it's going to be powerful It's time for us to say a blessing. I am grateful and thankful for the power of love operating in our hearts and in our minds. I am grateful and thankful that our life is a life of love. We live in partnership with the higher Holy Spirit self and we share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be. We know it's done and so it is. Amen. 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 Have a great rest of your week. Mwah!